Support for Comics for Fun and Profit is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate in men's hygiene. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code C4FAP at manscaped.com. I've been with Manscaped since the 1.0, and now we're on the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and I dare say the greatest trimmer ever. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproofed and also has an LED spotlight for more precision shaving. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code C4FAP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code C4FAP. That's the letter C, the number 4, F-A-P, at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing comic book creator Warwick Johnson Cadwell. He is the writer and artist of Dark, the Dark Horse new original horror graphic novel, Falcon Spear. It came out in January and is out in stores right now. Warwick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much. Now, for listeners, I just want to um, give you just a little bit Brief um, background. Now, now Falcon Spear, Falcon Spear, Spear, excuse me, is the third book from Dark Horse that features the characters as Professor Professor um, Meinharten, Mister Knox, and Ms. Van Sloan. These characters were in two other books that Warwick and Mike Mignola collaborated on. And these books, um, the first book that came out um, was Mister Higgins Comes Home. That was released, and I love this date. It was released on October 31st, 2017. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> and the second book is Our Encounters with Evil, um, Adventures of Professor J.T. Meinharten and his assistant, Mr. Knox, that came out in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the, that's, yeah. Um, Mr. Higgins was was uh mike mignola mm-hmm. mike mignola wrote it um and and i illustrated it and and that was that was the beginning that was sort of what i mean that that was that was everything at the time I, it was amazing it was i you know i didn't need to do another book after that it's just that you know he's a legend and we got to collaborate but um but lucky enough um we we got to do more so yeah very happy yes now, before I start the interview, I'm going to just go over your history, um, Warwick. And Warwick, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So, now, you did concept art for the stop-motion animated movie, um, um, the uh, Laika's uh, Missing Link, that came out in 2019. That won a Golden Globe Award for Best Animated Feature and was also nominated for an Academy Award. You also did concept art for also the um, stop-motion animated movie, Chicken Run that came out in 2000, and also, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Ardman's Animation Pirates that came out in 2012. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah, in, in terms of the concept, uh, concept artwork I've done, animation, those are, the, those are the ones, those are the ones that have sort of have been made because this sort of work, there's lots of stuff that... Uh, gets started and never finished or, or uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, lots of work you can get into stuff that doesn't, um, well, you never know whether it's turning into anything. And of course, everything's NDA'd. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know what you can talk about even when it's 10 years old or something like that. You don't know. But, uh, but though, yeah, those are the, the main ones in terms of animation to, are out there. So, yes, I, I'll be honest. I've, I've heard of Chicken Run. I've heard of The Missing Link. I never heard of the Pirates movie. And, I, and I'll be honest, I'm sorry. I, I've seen the trailers. I love that. I kept going, I need to watch these movies. I never got around to seeing them. But I do want to see it, though. Th- these look fun. 
they look great. Yeah, yeah, no, they're good. I mean, I knew you know, I've been in the UK. They're you know they're they're a big deal, and um, and and that was the first job I got coming out of college. So, so um, so that you know there, but I completely know what you mean because my list of, of books to read, films to see, yes. you know, it is massive, and it's um, and it's you know embarrassing and worse when you know the people you know the people who were working on this you know the people who wrote these books or drew these you know and you're thinking well, i've got to catch up but there's you know the mountains are, are high and uh, a lot to get through i'm going to continue on work and then um your work in um the comic book industry um now i know you've done some work in something called nelson in 2012 Solid State yep. Hank Girl in 2013. And you also co-created with Robert Ball the webcomic Dangeritis that came out, was it 2014? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah. Um, so, I mean, Tank Girl would be the first sort of big book. So, you know, that was published through Titan. Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, in terms of you know, holding my own first floppy comics and things like that, and, mm -hmm. and working with Alan Martin, the original Tank Girl creator, with with Jamie Hewlett, and on that character, the whole thing was was amazing. But um, but the, but you know, and I've worked with you know, I've, done, I've worked with on Tank Girl, which, as I say, I mean, it's it was a massive big deal. They were they were a big influence, you know, as I was a youngster reading comics, and I've worked with um, you know, some very I'm very lucky to have worked with, you know, working with Mike Minola and, and Dark Horse, and and, um, and I did work also for uh, with uh, on a series Samurai Jack, which yes for IDW, which was then which you know another it's a massive, but you know these these are great great sort of characters and things, but but I really love working on things like Nelson um, mm -hmm. and 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 Dangeritis with with Rob Ballway. You know, making these things ourselves, it's 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 really way up there with working on some sort of you know super well known characters. So, now I know you already mentioned Samurai Jack that you worked on, um, um, called um, Quantum Jack. I know that was a five part um, series. And another IDW um, series that you worked on and that came out in twenty sixteen was Helena Crash. That was a four part um, series. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was um, again. That was uh, uh, the writer uh, Fabian Rangel Jr. He mm -hmm. um, he pitched it with my art to, to IDW. He he you know he, um, he had a lot of he had suddenly a load of a load of books out. Um, mm -hmm. But we we were working on that. So that was a completely original idea. Uh, you know, as is often the case with these, we didn't work together on it. To, to you know he came to me with a story the character ideas uh -huh. and then I just sort of brought my end of it you know my side of it and so that was a great it was a great character thing to create and then and that's when things sort of got busy because that was by the end of the series of Hell and the Crash uh -huh. we were both working on Samurai Jack and oh. then that was the same time as as Mr Higgins sort of got started so so everything got suddenly very busy <laughs> Now, before I, um, be, I'm going to continue on, um, so Warwick, again, thank you very much for sharing, giving me, providing me with some of that information. And to listeners, I also got some of this information from the Comic Crusaders and John Suntress's Ward Bloom um, YouTube podcast. So if you guys get a chance, please check out um, those um, Warwick's other interviews with, again, with the Comic Book Crusader and John Suntress's Ward Bloom podcast. Now, Warwick, regarding your history of work, did I miss anything that you want to talk about? Uh, well, I, probably lots, but then I can't, like, you know, it's it sort of been messy that, you know, whilst I've been drawing, um, you know, whichever projects, whatever, I've been working by, on my own stuff for forever. But, you know, I also, you know, coming out of college, was getting various bits of work in terms of um, illustration, animation, but then I had to do a day job. I was working, you know, supermarkets. I was working at care home for, you know. So it's been there's been a lot of juggling all the, all the while. So, 
So there, yes, there, there'll be some, there'll be gaps, and I'll think of them all mm-hmm. tonight, tomorrow. You know, don't worry. All right. Now, um, before we really start getting to the questions, I want to, um, you know, I want to give a big shout out to Hannah Bahedri of Super Fan, Super Fan Promotions for sending up this interview and giving me an advanced copy of Falcon Spear. So Hannah, thank you very much. Warwick, I'm going to give you, uh, do you want to say, do you want to add anything to that? Oh, just a thanks from me as well. You know, the, uh, she's great. Superfan promotions are great, but uh, Han's been really helpful this this time, this whole go round with uh, with Falcon Spear. So, thanks. Oh, yes, that's great. And then Warwick, I also want to thank you for being flexible flexible with your schedule. So, because um, listeners, originally we had a date set. I, I want to say it was probably sometime in February. You know, but. On my end, something came up at the last minute. So again, Warwick, I just want to say thank you very much for being flexible with your schedule. Thank you very much. Uh, no problem. Happy right. to do it. Now, where can listeners follow you on social media? Best place, I'm on Instagram. Wocco, W-O-C-C-O. That's, that's, that's where most of my uh, attention is um uh-huh. when i get busy it gets quieter but um but but that's where it is but i'm on uh twitter at warwick jc mm-hmm. um and uh facebook is art of wjc mm-hmm. um so on there and then i have a website which is a poor neglected thing which has been around for a long time doesn't look very busy but warwick johnson cadwell one word dot co dot uk but instagram Waco is the is the place to to go then where did you grow up? Uh, we're in the UK, um, sort of moved around a bit from the Midlands to the north, but uh, most of my time on the south coast. So south coast UK, sort of central south coast UK. And then what was or were your first comics that you read? And it could be anything from comic strips, Mad Magazine or manga. Uh, that would be they would be there would be some newspaper strips from uh, would have been weekend supplements and sort of things because my weren't many in the papers my dad would be reading but yeah no kids comics you know then you know you get into the news agent and um, you know there'd be kids it'd be the old sort of British stuff like the Beano and Wizard and Chips and sort of you know uh, kids cartoon stuff like that and Mm -hmm. um and then, you know, every now and then we'd, you'd find a newsagent that stopped American comics of one sort or another. But, um, but then, and another Asterix and Tintin were, were regularly reprinted, reproduced here in the UK. That was bookshop stuff, but, um, but that's the nearest thing you'd find. I remember, you know, in bookshops in those days. But other than that, 2000 AD, which is, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that, you know, in my memory, I mean, there was a variety of action comics, war comics, but 2000 AD was kind of like, you know, it's an anthology comic. It had everything, you know, you had about five strips uh, on a weekly basis. And, you know, Judge Dredd was always in there, but then there was others and, and different creators, different artists, you know, the, it was such a variety. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, 2000 AD was the big one. And then more US comics, you know, we'd find them, I'd find out there were comic shops about them. Mm-hmm. Things like that, and so. Okay, now, um, Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, submitted this question: What was your first comic shop? That was, we're not. Um, it's not a big town where we are. It's not a big city. It's um, so I think I was just about big enough to to get myself to to London to some of the comic marts and shows there. <clears throat> um. And so we were just sort of reliant mainly on newsstand. But the first one that opened in our town in Chichester was this, it was a small unit, it's called unit, and it was sort of an arcade. So, mm-hmm. you, know, to, you know, 15 square feet was about it. And um, that was Phantasmagoria. And that, when I was at high school, and that was there for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then, then after that, uh, a guy who was working, a friend, uh, the, the, the local video video shop mm-hmm. and uh, video rental, and we'd be chatting to the guy who runs that. And one day he just had a briefcase of comics all out on the counter and realised he was a comic guy. 
we'd just come back from London where I'd bought a bunch from Forbidden Planet, which was, you know, yeah. I'd travel sort of 60, 60 miles to get my comics. <laughs> if there were anything other I couldn't find in the news agent. He opened a shop. He opened a unit pretty much in the same place as the original one that had closed down. Excalibur Comics, and uh, that stayed in town for a while. So, so that was the first big, big deal local comic shop. Now, I know um, during the Word Balloon interview, you mentioned that you worked at a comic book shop on the weekends while going to college. Was Excalibur? Was that the comic shop you were working at? That was yeah, Excalibur Comics, Mark Mark Alford's uh, comic shop. Again, yeah, he had it open. It was in a small unit, and then he opened up in a in a proper store just across the road, and. Uh, so that was it. That was it. So I was working there weekends, you know, mm-hmm. mainly just Saturday bits and pieces, but uh, getting paid in comics. So uh, taking home what I, you know, whatever I could. Yeah, I, I'm just asking. So how did you get that cool job? Well, that well, that was it. It was we we, you know, we'd go rent videos, rent movies. Okay. And he was there. We'd, so we'd got friends. We, you know, we were chatting. We went in quite regularly. Um, and, um, and then we discovered one day that he, you know, he was a big comic fan. And so then with the conversations would get longer mm-hmm. and more expanding rather mm-hmm. than movies or whatever, but into books and comics. And, and yeah, and, and he, he opened the stores. So he opened the shops. And, and so I, you know, I was right there ready to give him a hand, help out in any way. You know, he was just opening up, so so I was happy to just take some comics home. That's pretty cool. Now, Warwick, this is an off-the-cuff question. It's not written down because um, um, did did um, did he bring in any comic book creators to doing you know in in store signings or anything like that? You know, uh, no, we didn't. I don't remember. Um, because I was at there, I was at college, and then I went to Bristol, which is a mile miles away. So I kind of, okay. uh, but he did. He did. There was a guy, um, oh, and <laughs> yeah, there was a few. There was a few guys, but more that came up through um, through. Uh, you know, they'd be going out getting their portfolios done. I, I'm trying to remember the name of this fella. Mm-hmm. But um, it is funny because now we have um, Ian Churchill. That's the guy I'm trying to remember. Oh. Ian Churchill lived, he was a local guy, you know, oh. and I didn't know. Yes. Mark knew him. Um, Mark knew him whilst he was he was taking his portfolio, you know, uh-huh. around to the, you know, so when he started to get some interest from, from the bigger companies, from yeah. Marvel and whatnot, yeah. to, you know, he was, but it was all too quiet. You know, I, I don't remember when, you know, mm-hmm. it was after that, that he sort of was, was able to tell people about these big gigs, but that was going on there. So he was a local guy. And now, um, relatively local to the area is, um, is Mick McMahon, who's a 2008 legend. So, you know, um, and, uh, so he, he did, you know, he's the sort of guy, he was drawing the strips I was growing up reading as a kid. And so, uh, so yeah, it's it turned out fun, but um, that's pretty cool. Okay, so now how did your journey um, to work in animation and comics begin? I was, it was I sort of drifted the right way. Sort of went with the tide. I've just always been drawing, you know, and so I've always loved drawing uh, yes. the the narrative side of it and just you know, working with various media, it's just always been a, a passion. And so even when I was doing day yes. jobs and whatever with, you know, got kids and stuff, I'd still be drawing. And, and so I, I did a good degree. I did an illustration degree. This was at Bristol, mm-hmm. which is a while away. And, um, and it was at the degree show where people from Ardman animation oh, yeah. spotted my work. Um, which was kind of a, I can't quite tell, it was slightly more accidental because my work was up um, and there was one sort of series of illustrations I'd done about a World War One fighter pilot who was a werewolf and uh, and that was the story uh-huh. and it was 
and so this was the thing that went up on the wall and I kind of wanted something else there to pop out and so um literally so I made up some paper planes some biplanes because this whole story was sort of what and had them hanging around the artwork because it didn't read as a as a strip it was it was almost like what I tended to do was make stories when I was at college and then after um you know um they'd be almost like a not quite comics at that stage they were more like a children adult stories but in a children's book format so you'd be text and then image yes but, um and so to just to sort of bring out this artwork i made some paper models of world war two world war one biplanes and it was those that i heard caught the eye of the Ardman guys and so they came recalling because you know we'd all done our course properly we'd all done our you know we'd all got our names up and our cards to hand out and and that was what i remember was the thing that sort of uh, that said let's let's give this guy a try on this project to see what happens so and it, and it was just that easy so that was then and that was that was just to start work on um do some two weeks drawing for uh, for what became chicken run mm-hmm. so God, I, I, no, I'm just, I, I'm sorry. It, it's just so cool that, you know, you're kind of going, okay, I'll put this up. And uh, no, I, I want to make it a little bit, you, you want it to stand out. And you made, you made your own, you know, World War One biplane and had it stick out. And it, it, that is, that's just so cool. It, it caught someone's attention. Well, <laughs> you know, this is, and this is the, you know, there's only, there's always just, you know, people are, you, you know, you want to give people good advice and, and the, the, you know, how do you meet people? How do you meet clients? How do you, you know, network and all this sort of stuff. And the, the only, the best advice is just, you've got to work hard because mm-hmm. you've got to always be working because these things are so, you know, in the lap of the gods, it's just total fluke or luck, or you've got no idea when the right person's going to be seeing something or when someone sees something and then they tell the right person, you've got no control over that. And you know, you, you can't afford to put your energy into trying to work out who's the right people to go out. You know, you've got to be aware of what sort of business you're working in and, and the right people to talk to, but um, you've got to not neglect the work part of it because if someone sees your stuff and they say, Hey, look, let's have a look. You've got to make sure that what you've got to show them is, is amazing. Yeah. And so anything you can think of, anything you could, you just don't know when those people are going to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's one of, just one of those things, because, you know, if you spend your whole time trying to think of some snazz, snazzy gimmick, you know, something cool to encourage people, mm-hmm. then you realize you spent your time working on the gimmick and then, you, you know, your portfolio, your pages, your work isn't, isn't what it, you want to show. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it's just luck. I mean, it's different nowadays. In those days, you know, we, we, were, we, we, you know, you were sending out physical portfolios, you know, mm-hmm. and sending them overseas and what, you know, and so getting your work seen was difficult if you want, you know, because you had to go, you know, people were heading for big cities where they could meet people and, and sort of show their work, get their stuff around that way. But now with the internet, you know, it's in full flow. But again, the, the people you can, you can contact or make contact with is, is amazing but um but you know if you somebody uh you know of great importance to your plan sees your work yes. or you manage to get it to them or you, you you talk to them and talk to them and then you know you've got to make sure what you've got to show them is is awesome mm-hmm. and so so the, the the trick is always work because it's just mad luck that's that's going to pop up more often than not that's what's going to get there so that is, that's pretty cool. That's really good. So, um, now Warwick, I'm going to ask you, so, um, I know you start to work in animation on the comic side. So Drew for Drew, again, submitted this question. What was your first professional comic book work that, you know, um, because I know you did dangerous as a web comic, but you know, what about for like floppies and stuff? That was, yeah, that would be, that would be Tank Girls. So that would be, well, no, the timelines sort of go all messy for me. There's, there's a, a small press 
in the UK. That's what sort of got, after I came out of college, I, just, I came out of university and looking to animation and actually looking to sort of children's books or, or, or something. Uh-huh. And um, sort of a kind of comics drifted by me at that stage. I was looking at something else, uh-huh. looking for something else, trying to see. And, um, and ended up drifting back toward comics. And, uh-huh. um, and so I could, you know, looking at the books, thinking, well, what's my work suitable for? And, you know, trying to find a match. But, um, you know, the small press, small the press sort of scene, sort of people making their own stuff. That was pretty busy, so um, there was uh, you know, anthology comics that were around, or people sort of collaborating, uh-huh. and um, and so those things were sort of popping up, and sometimes those were were quite exciting. I did uh, strips, a couple of strips for a Polish anthology, which were just collecting British comic artists, which was an interesting thing. There was a couple of those, but when they came out, they were called New British Comics. I think there was only three books, but there was, I had a strip in two and three, mm-hmm. but they felt, you know, at the time, because nothing big had come out, they felt like, uh, you know, the best thing ever. That was sort of printed work. And uh, another one, Birdsong, by some friends uh, at the time in, in the scene. But yeah, it was, it was Tank Girl. So, you know, getting a, getting some, uh, you know, Alan Martin, as I say, Alan Martin and uh, Jamie Hewlett, the creators, and Alan, the writer, got in touch. That was a great thing to do. So, great thing to work on. That was awesome. How excited were you, were you when you saw your name on the cover of Tanker or, or an inside page? How excited were you when you saw that? No, well, yeah, it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was, I mean, it was amazing. And, but all the while, you know, Tank Girl's a big character, and, and you know, so there's, the nerves had hit by that stage. You know, the, the idea of it was brilliant, and in my mind, I was going to do a fantastic job, and it was going to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to be able to join in to work with the Tank Girl character. But of course, the reality is, you know, it's a massive, massive audience. You know, mm-hmm. and they, so there'll be the people who like it, and there'll be a lot of people who don't like it, and there are a lot of people who sort of might need to get used to it. So I was very excited, but also very nervous when the, the, that book came out. So, all right. So I'm going to move ahead. Um, Warwick, we're going to talk about Falcons. Falcons. Sorry, listeners. I My mouth's not working today. <laughs> because yesterday <laughs> I'm going Falcons, Fear. It's not working. So correct me if I'm wrong, if I keep mispronouncing and Warwick. Okay. Now, before we talk about Falcon Spear. May I ask, can you describe the trinity of characters? Um, Professor Meinharten, Mr. Knox, and Ms. Van Sloan, um, to me and the listeners. Can you just describe those characters? Because <clears throat> Yeah, the, the, um, that was, well, just Mr. Higgins uh, comes home, had uh, Professor Meinhardt uh-huh. and uh, Mr. Knox and that was their their debut, and so I then went to back to I just love I love everything about the book. They, you know, Mike Minola just I love his writing and the stories, and these guys, the, everything about I just every page I was drawing, where I was thinking of more things I could draw or more mm-hmm. stories you could tell, and, and but this was Mike's writing, so um, I went back to them, sort of just asked, you know, these two guys. Mm-hmm. you know would I is it that you know would I be able to just maybe try something out with these guys you know <laughs> um, I like Mr Higgins but I thought maybe Mike one day could come back and, and, and do work with him because he was this but these two Meinhardt and Knox I like the idea of them so then I, I wrote the next book which was it's five stories but sort of three stories over five chapters so they were sort of short stories okay. and quite different Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where uh, Mary Van Sloan popped up as well, because these these guys are they are effective. They are vampire hunters, mm-hmm. um, but they don't rely necessarily on on chance, you know, good luck to to carry them through. But they are rescued more often than not by circumstance rather mm-hmm. than you know. Uh, training and so 
So Mary Van Sloan sort of brings in a different element. You know, the, the professor's very academic. He's, he's, you know, it's, this is his, this is sort of his world. He's investigating. He's interested. Mr. Knox kind of is following, mm-hmm. uh, obviously the professor's footsteps, but he's got a, you know, there's a, a, a kindness and kind of a benevolence about him. He's yeah. he, sort of a, you know, the, he, he's got this sort of this goodness about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he's a big fella, but you know quite a sort of a there's a gentleness, and so yes. mm-hmm. uh, Van Sloan, Mary Van Sloan, she kind of brings the action. You know, she's yeah. she's she, you know she's going to sort of sna- these guys going to snap out of it. She, she's mm-hmm. she's going to get them into action, mm-hmm. and so and uh, and and that was it. So this is that was that the Trinity there. I think you know. That between them, mm-hmm. you know, they are there is strength, but um, but there was a fourth sort of pillar of this mm-hmm. group, who is James Falcon Spear. So he is the, the title character of the third book, and he had he brings to their group, um, you know, a sense of justice and a sense of sort of uh, mm-hmm. you know goodness, and mm-hmm. you know he's a real force for right mm-hmm. uh whereas you know they're all good characters they're all good people but they do have different sort of strengths and sort of uh, uh you know and uh and um james falcon spears a sort of a strong moral force mm-hmm. and that force in that group now um without spoiling the story because you already talked about james falcon spear um he you know he's you know that that's the title of this book. You know, um, um, Meinhardt, Mister Knox, Van Sloan. They are um, kind of like I guess like vamp- vampire hunters. I can call them. Vampire yeah, hunters. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is take place in in like um, old Victoria, Victorian England. Oh, uh, these well, these guys are mainly have been Europe. Yeah. Um, but it's that that's the right time. That's the, that's the these this is sort of. Um, the time of or where Dracula was was um, set, where Frankenstein mm-hmm. was set, you know, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, and there, there is this sort of stuff all sort of going on. So mm-hmm. um, they're they're sort of non-specific sort of Europe, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sort of I mean, Carpathian Mountains gets mentioned, so that's Transylvania, that's mm-hmm. Dracula territory, and they're on the border of the Black Sea for mm-hmm. part of this book. So you know, they're in in the wild sort of superstitious wilderness of, of Europe. Now I'm going to, without spoiling the story and you know, to the listeners, I've read the story. I love it. It's great. What is this? What is the story of Falcon Spear about without any spoilers? We find the beginning of the book is, is back in time. Um, sort of the two books so far the, the, the mr higgins and the and the different stories in encounters of the evil i was sort of quite happy that they could have been you could have picked up either book yes you, you know there isn't a chronology necessarily to them but um but this starts vulcan spear starts sort of back in time before everything this is mm-hmm. this is then still in their formative sort of years mm-hmm. getting to grips with you know they're vampire hunters but this includes werewolves and ghouls and monsters and you know many things they've yet to encounter but so we see the four of them in action and um what has happened we haven't seen james falcon spear in the first two books and so where there's an absence we know there's an absence because this is a new guy turned up and uh the four of them were a tight sort of group mm-hmm. and uh over the years falcon spear has has sort of wandered off and uh, mm-hmm. know, appears lost you know he, he may be fighting uh creatures all around he might have gone to different parts of the world he's retired he's just doing his you know maybe he's back at a university just sort of collating all his information but he's disappeared and hadn't been heard from mm-hmm. until some clues start to turn up which the three of them begin to realize might be uh yeah. an indication that he is around and maybe they not know where to find him. Mm-hmm. So they go in search and that's the book. That's the story that then, then unfolds. Mm-hmm. 
Now, um, like I said, I'm not going to spoil anything for our listeners. Um, in the story, I love Ms. Van Sloan. I love her character because she's this, she's a very strong woman in this Victorian era. Um, she's very capable of taking care of herself. You know, I love, you know, it, she's great. Um, I also, there now there is one character, um, and again, listeners, you have to read the book, is that I love the character of Bar uh, Baron um, Fontin. And I, I just, I just have to describe this one scene is when we are introduced, when the readers are introduced to him, he's kind of like the Jabba the Hutt. Um, he's kind of sort of in a Jabba the Hutt pose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Like I said, I'm not going to say anything else, but it is just a great introduction of him. <laughs> oh, that's cool. No, I learned it. no and that's, that's, that's right. Uh, I hadn't thought of it, but I mean, and that's exactly right because he's kind of, he's sort of a gross, you know, character. I mean, he's, 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 a, he's not a great character. He's not a, he's not a goodie, but yeah. he's also kind of, you know, he is, a, he is awful. And that's, that's it. That's, that's the sort of, you know, he's not a gangster, but, but that's, you know, something like that sort of, eating frogs and dribbling all over people you know that's <laughs> that's not what yeah, yeah that's jabba no, the hutt but it's not but, the, but no that's i just you just wanted him to you know sort of unpleasant i think was was the plan yeah try and get that all right now i'm gonna so um how did you come up with this idea for the story you know um because it's well, a very good story yes Oh, really appreciate. It. Thanks very much for that. That's very kind. But but I, I sort of mentioned with just drawing um, the pages, drawing from Mike's script for Mister Higgins, and um, you know, just having fun. One of the great things of collaborating is that these ideas aren't mine. You know, I'm working to somebody else's yeah. uh, you know plans. And there is, depending who you're working with and what they're doing, you can get scripts which are very specific. You can get scripts which are, are very vague. Uh -huh. um, and uh, so you can start to work on it. And what I wanted to, to bring to this was, I really wanted to, you know, but this was, I was working with Mike Benola, so I wanted to really go for it. So I wanted to work on detail, make the pages sort of quite full. Uh -huh. And I also wanted, um, I wanted to be able to, to make some books that you could read and then, you know, you could read again and yeah. you could read again. And the way the pages, hopefully the way the pages come across is that, that rereading it is, it can be an enjoyable experience because there might be things that you find. I'm not sneaking things necessarily mm -hmm. in, but you know, but there are bits in those pages that you might not see straight away. And, and mm -hmm. my writing is quite, um, it's quite to the point. I'd like to get a bit more sort of verbose and have a bit more chat going on. But these books are quite uh, speedy. So my writing, um, they're quite sort of a lean in those terms. And so to be able to go back and start again another time, I wanted to have a lot of uh, information sort of in the pages. And that's where these stories then continue to come from because as I'm drawing, um, you know, I'm drawing, thinking about these characters and so other ideas or what if this, you know, you, you're drawing, um, well, you're drawing a scene, you know, some of these castles and stuff have got weird paintings on the walls. And, and so you're thinking, well, actually this story, in the, I'm just drawing this, making up a painting and this could be a story or you've got ornaments or you've got, you know, is there a story behind this artifact? And, and this is, this is how it, you know, it, it is, um. I first drew James Falconspear as I was, well, I'd got the books, I got the books to, uh, of Mr. Higgins mm -hmm. and um, I was at a show and I was drawing vampire hunters. I wasn't drawing necessarily, well, I did, I drew, drew uh, Professor Knox and, no, Professor Meinhardt and Mr. Knox and I was drawing some of the other characters in the book, but I was making up vampire hunters and so uh, the sort of first, I drew this character which was sort of a, Slightly different, but almost identical to to James Falconspear. Uh -huh. He was possibly a bit older, and I think he had some those old 
golf shorts that uh, with the big woolly socks pulled up to the knees. So this was it. And so then you start to think, you know, you've got ideas flying around and they start to kind of stick to other things. And I had this character I loved to draw. And then, you know, some ideas, you maybe use a bit of something that you were going to give to some other character or, mm-hmm. you know, and these things start to sort of stick together. And then you've got something that's sort of, you can start turning into a story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, you know, that's one of the things I love particularly about these books is that, you know, I feel like the stories could go on forever because the more I'm, I'm drawing, mm-hmm. the more ideas pop up about different things. But um, so that's that was it. It was just through these pages, you know, um, always looking at ideas. I mean, looking for reference. You want to find the right sort of arches to build a creepy castle to draw. And, you know, looking at that sort of stuff, um, there's so much sort of you can take in. Mm-hmm. And and as I say, yeah, some things these you know these stories sort of develop where sort of ideas sort of start to stick together, and then maybe you think, well, this sounds like this sort of story, but maybe if you take a left turn instead of a right, it turns into a different sort of story. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the sort of the puzzle. That's the fun of doing them. So, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, um, I saw that you dedicated this book to your mom, and I'm going to quote it for the listeners. This one is for mom, who I think like this sort of thing. Now I'm just going to ask: Are you are you okay talking about the about dedicating this book to your mom? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. It was. Um, we talked a lot about um, I, this. This sort of like, what Mike Minola and I have in common that that got us into this sort of thing was this love of, of horror cinema, mm-hmm. um, hammer horror films, mm-hmm. universal horror films, these sort of spooky things. And not necessarily, you know, ex- them exactly as they were, but more how the memory of them. A lot of these things I watched when I was a kid, when I was a nipper and I, you know, too young to see them. You know, the black and white ones might be on in the middle of the day because they thought that was probably fine. And then some of the, you know, the hammer horror, that weird sort of not colour blood, you know, that stuff, whatever they used, all the weird creepy makeup, which was often more sort of creepy than, you know, whatever they were trying to actually make. But, you know, those sorts of films. And the idea that sort of my memory of those films was sort of the basis of these books. The things like that that I would have seen at my earliest age would have been because my mom was watching them. Um, my dad wasn't so keen. He liked Westerns more like that. So it was that sort of thing. And um, my memory is that she was, she was quite a fan of this sort of stuff. Um, she didn't like collect posters or whatever, you know, it was, she was, she was quite a, 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 pr- a proper lady. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I do remember, you know, my first time, Set up watching Alien as a, at a very young age, and sort of decided I'm obviously too tired to carry on watching it. Just after someone just got their face well, minced, so I went to bed after that. But so she liked these sorts of stories, you know, and, and Dracula and things like that. So, and um, but this book was proposed and was at Dark Horse for approval just as lockdown started. Mm-hmm. And uh, then as lockdown started, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so this was put on hold, which was completely, you know, I was expecting it. It hadn't got to any particular stage yet. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, there's people got work on that are, are being told to hold off. So I'll just ride it out and see what happens. But then they came back and, and okayed it. And we went with it. So this was a project through lockdown. But also through lockdown, uh, my mum, suddenly got ill and died within about five weeks. This was not to do with COVID. This was, this was other stuff, but, um, and so a lot of that was going on while I was drawing these things. And and we spent time, uh, I've got a brother and two sisters and we, we, it worked out Mm -hmm. that we got to stay with her whilst, you know, sort of isolated. We were in a bubble as we have here. Um, and all, you know, while I was there doing that, I was drawing all sorts of crazy stuff at the same time. But um, yeah, so it felt like a good idea. It felt like I'd, I'd wanted to sort of put that as a 
a dedication to mom. I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Oh, thank you. Um, and thank you for sharing. Because, like you said, it's the it's the nice memories of when yes. you're growing up watching, you, you know, watching these horror movies with your mom on the television set. Yep. Yeah, that was that's really nice. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. No, no problem. All right, so Warwick, I'm gonna. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears just a little bit because you kind of know what next question is coming up, and it's a fun question. Yeah. Now, if you made this book back in the '60s, and the Hammer Studios wanted to make a movie about falcons, falcon spear, who would you cast as your lead roles? <laughs> oh man, I've been I've been. Mulling this over, there's because you're always, you're always thinking when you've got projects or you're looking at comics, you're reading comics, you know, you're trying to fit actors to the various roles, mm -hmm. and um, and it's you know, it's a puzzle, it's interesting. I mean, all I there's a lot of not a hammer film, but uh, fearless vampire hunters, the, the dance of the vampires, it's we, we it, it, it's. Mm -hmm. um, it's Roman Polanski, so over in, but we know it in this country as Fearless Vampire Killers, mm -hmm. I think. But I think it's Dance of the Vampires somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and these, you know, there's a lot of that in these books. But trying to work out which of the Hammer actors, it, it's been difficult. So I've sort of, I mean, what I would say before anything else, which I always think it's a great shame. Is that Peter Cushing was never actually a vampire or anything, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. He got a few baddie parts in a couple of different things, but I mean, he would have made a cracking Dracula. You know, mm -hmm. I just think that it, he just would have been awesome at it. But, you know, the, for the Meinhardt and Knox, well, my, I mean, Meinhardt, I mean, it, it wonders, it's the same time, the right time, but not necessarily the hammer, but uh, there's. Um, there's David Tomlinson, who was Mr. Mr. Banks in, he was in Disney stuff. So Mr. Banks from Mary Poppins or uh, Amelia's Brown from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. This is sort of just this. So he could be a decent, um, mm -hmm. a decent Professor Meinhardt. As could, but then I started to get sort of grander, you know, uh, ideas. So I thought, well, maybe Alec Guinness could pop in there and do it. A good oh, so, but, um, so he could, but, uh, and... Monty Python as well. Graham Chapman of Monty Python's could have been good. And then, again, well, I thought Angela Lansbury, having thought of uh, Amelia Brown, you know, uh, David Tomlinson for, for Meinhardt, I thought Angela Lansbury might do a, might be a good uh, Mary Van Sloan. I, she would be very good. Thinking of this, uh, the 1960s. Um, and then uh, Falcon Spear, I think uh, himself, Jim Brown mm -hmm. or, or Fred Williamson. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, you get these, because the way the character's drawn is not necessarily how you, you know, you've got, so I always loved the effort Cotto as well. And, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure, you know, I'm just thinking, yeah. well, I'm not sure if he's quite right for it. It's like you're casting these things yourself and suddenly mm -hmm. it goes crazy. So. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was interesting, and I got stuck with with Mister Knox, which in the Carry On films, there's a big guy called Bernard Breslau, mm -hmm. but he normally plays a really dopey character, which I don't. Mister Knox isn't. Yes, but yeah. He's sort of he's sort of big but gentle, mm -hmm. um, you know. Unless he's throwing dynamite or stabbing things, you know, he is, you know, um, and um, and yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, but it's a, it's a lovely exercise trying to work out who sh who should go where and be what. But, but I'm gonna say, you know, um, Angela Lansbury as Ms. Van Sloan, she would be perfect. I, I'm gonna say I think for most listeners we would all remember her as um, um, from um, Murder She Wrote. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This nice proper English. Yeah, it doesn't look like she would harm a fly or anything, <laughs> but. I but um but that change but I saw one episode 
for Angela Lansbury was in Law and Order SVU. Mm. And she was so, it, it was a complete 360 of her character. Yeah. And, it, and I'm like going, yeah, she would be, she'd be the, I think she'd fit as Ms. Van Sloan where she'd be nice and proper, but if she needs to get things right, done quickly and right, she'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, work. I'm going to continue on. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love your work on the colors in this book because, you know, there's a nice contrast to distinguish the foreground and the background. I, I really love it. It's great. Mm. Um, now, I'm going to ask, do you want to give anyone else a shout, um, anyone else who worked on the book a shout out? Yes. Well, yes. I mean, this is, you know, it's a team. Mm -hmm. These these guys are amazing. And, um, uh, you know, the, the, with these second two books, it, it's you know a lot of what's on the going on the page is 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 mainly me. But then there's Clem Robbins with just awesome, awesome work on top. The lettering is lovely through all these books and all and you know the books he works with. But, um, and uh, and then well well the editing team as well, which is you know Katie O'Brien and Jenny Blank. So and Clem Robbins with letters. You know these guys are just bringing it they're pushing me you know i don't mean they're actually pushing me oh, yeah. but, uh, they're, they're, they're getting me you know I'm, I'm doing this and uh well they are pushing me when i'm slow and uh, which does happen and then just to have the you know these have got mike manola covers with dave stewart color and you know it, it, it's a dream you know these are books i'd, I'd be picking up mm -hmm. And then you know to see that uh, these are my stories inside. It's just it's just a real privilege. But they're a great team. Dark Horse are just awesome. So, now, so thank you. Oh no, you're welcome. Now, I I I know you can't. I I you know um, I know if you can't say anything, that's fine. But will we see another adventure with with Professor Meinhardt, Mister Knox, and Ms. Van Sloan in the future? I hope so. Okay. Um, each book is finished mm -hmm. without another work, next one planned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I say, I finished Mr. Higgins just like I, you know, died and gone to heaven. It was just like the most fantastic thing. And so the prospect of, you know, I, I finished it without a thought about another one because mm -hmm. just I could, it, it couldn't get better, mm -hmm. you know, unless there was a second book and then there was. And so, and then there's a third. So, I've got away with a lot. I've got away with a lot. So I don't know. I sincerely hope so because, like I say, there's just so many more stories to uh, to, to tell with these guys, these characters. Now, fun question: Any possibility of these characters doing a multiverse crossover with Hellboy? <laughs> <laughs> I um, I don't know. I doubt it. Well, I don't know. I mean, actually. Because there's the Hellboy universe, and then there's the Outerverse stuff, there's, and 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 this is out even from that. And there's something quite I like about it. It's quite exclusive. It's just you know, uh, it, it, you know, which I do like. But then that could be awesome. But um, but I just don't know how it would. Uh, well, it, you know, it would be great fun. But um, we'll see. With no plans. But as I say, I quite like this little sort of corner of the playground by myself so <laughs> all right i'm going to continue moving on um now i know um there there was a koshak um 50th anniversary kickstarter um i know you and nancy Collins, the writer did a short story for this project now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask you to spoil the story or anything are you a koshak fan Yes. Uh, Nancy Collins' story is amazing. So I'm really lucky that, uh, that we, we got part partnered up for that. And yes, and it was, it's mad because um, I've only recently um, become a Kolchak fan. I knew of Kolchak and uh, it's his influence, it's influence on the X-Files, it's influence yeah. on all sorts of, the, you know, the writing of it. And it's always been on that, we mentioned right at the beginning, that pile of, of, of books to read or, or things to watch mm -hmm. or, you know, and, 
it was just it, I'd never got around to it. Then people would, you know, it would be, it would be mentioned, oh, I've got to do that, I've got to catch mm-hmm. up with that. Yes, yeah. And I did, I did catch up with it. And of course, lockdown helps. And then it, mm-hmm. it, it popped up on, uh, on uh, Amazon Prime, I think nice. it was. But just before, I think it's just been re-released as uh, a Blu-ray. But anyway, so I got through. But there's a couple of the, the two TV movies are on YouTube. Oh, yes. I think are on, online. Uh-huh. And I watched the series, and I watched it not in the correct order, but in an. I watched the first of the TV movies, then watched the series, uh-huh. and then watched the second of the TV movies, and it feels like the perfect way to watch it because it made so much. I don't know. I can't. Having seen it like that, uh-huh. uh, I'd imagine it makes less sense than if you watch the first two TV movies, then yes. watch the series. Mm-hmm. I like it the other way, this way around. But then this was my first view of it. So that's how it comes about. But no, I, I, and so it was, so I'd, yeah, I'd just been catching up with it. And then um, I was invited to join in with the, with the Kickstarter. So it was just great because I was, uh, I was just loving it. It was, I, you know, those that old sort of TV series, that stuff would have been around. Yes. Um, had I been up late enough watching it, and mm-hmm. I, I just it just went past. You know, uh, I don't know if it was on telly at any stage in the UK. I mean, bearing in mind, you know, we had three channels when I was young, and then we got to four, and then stretched to five before. Mm-hmm. So you know, that was what was we could watch was sort of odd times a day, and mm-hmm. and so, but no, I I loved it. I love it. It's so. Um, there's, there's lots to like about it and so and uh the 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 the, the kickstarter the special is is going through a certain time the the, the way he you know it's going through his lifetime as it were mm-hmm, yeah um which uh which i know you, you've spoken about but um but so yeah it's an ideal spot so we're in the 90s and so that uh, ties in nicely with um with with one of its big uh one of the series that influenced Mm-hmm. in a large yeah. way so so um it, it's handy because obviously he's he's sort of very much sort of preempts the x-files or they they used a lot from that and uh helpfully um arthur dales of course he played uh i completely lost his name but the actor oh, actor Dar- yeah Darren yeah. McGavin. he played Arthur. he was arthur dales in the x-files in the 90s so he pops up. Um, mm-hmm. what, what several brothers called Arthur Dale. So he pops up in the two episodes, and then the next time Arthur Dale's pops up, he's somebody else. And mm-hmm. then there's also so anyway. Point being, that's it's him in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was quite handy to get some reference. Ah, so, nice. I can't. So, no. mm-hmm. I look I, forward to seeing it. Yeah, it's going to be great. So I know I can't wait to see it. I. I I backed the project. I can't wait to get my book later yep. this year. You know. Yeah. All right. Um, now I'm starting. I'm slowly wrapping this up. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You're a boat skipper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was um, university. I was at Bristol, and which is a way uh, there's animation bits and pieces there. Um, but we came back to home, back to where, uh, you know, we were before, which because things got easier, the internet sort of it was, is the internet. And so being able to work from home with my job is, is a distinct possibility. So we came back to where we were living before my, my wife now, my girlfriend then. And, um, and this is it's on the coast that I was doing, uh, working on a boat, crewing in school holidays and weekends and stuff when I wasn't at comic shop it was a, little jobs and, and lots of them when I was a youngster and um, so then I continue I got the, the, my license and uh, so that was one of the jobs that I've been doing at the same time as various art jobs you know trying to trying to carve my way or get get, get, get ahead in uh, in the art world but you have to rely on other income bits and pieces so so yeah tour boat it's uh like 20 22 years 23 years 24 years this year i think so uh, around the local harbor so 
mm-hmm. which is a big change from sitting at a desk mm-hmm. or uh, looking at a computer. So, you know, I almost guarantee that the rainy, wet days will be the days I'm out on the boat and the days when it's sunny and warm is the days I've got the blinds down and sitting at my computer. It's almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. All right. A um, couple more questions. Um, what is the most fun or exciting thing that you love working in comics? Oh, there's lots. There's lots. I think it's just the work itself, um, the drawing, the, the the working it out. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't play video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I barely manage to keep up with any reading. Um, just like, just you know, it's like doing a puzzle every day. It's like reading a story, drawing a story, drawing whatever is like reading a story it's you know it's entertainment and um it's it's working you know you're working things out mm-hmm. you know your brain's going you're learning you're looking for reference you're trying to work out this that and the other so it, there's loads to do just with the sitting down and drawing of it you know so which is you know back when i was it was i was just doing this and by myself with no work, but was doing the drawing, was doing the stories or whatever. You know, that was good fun. But um, being able to do that and then, you know, get paid for it, that's, that's also fun. So, But there's a million different bits. There's so many different people and getting to meet different creators or, uh, or people involved in the, you know, in the process, people like, people like yourself as well. You know, just, it's, just a, it's just a lively world. It's a busy world. And so... Yeah, it's all, it's good. It's great. All right. Now, I know I already asked you this question, but I'm going to ask it for the listeners. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? No, sadly not. <laughs> not so far. It's it's uh, it's on the list of things, places to go. So mm-hmm. not brilliantly traveled. Uh, it'd be interesting. I'm just interested to go to see, you know, our, our, our view of Hawaii when here in the UK is it may well be very different. Mm-hmm. to the real life of it but a uh, no, fascinating place I'd love to go alright any closing words to our listeners um well Polka Spears out mm-hmm. um Kolchak the Kickstarter is you can still buy, I think it's still it's it's closed yeah but I think that there's a facility if you go to the site that you can join in still at this stage yeah. I don't know how long that that runs for um uh i'm working on a project which is a difficult thing to talk about because not only is the, it's a project of mine a comic project um an original project the publishers are not yet announced mm-hmm. so it's not just that the book's not announced but mm-hmm. the publishers aren't announced so so that should be sort of some light should be shed on that to, over the next sort of weeks or months or something so okay. So that'll, that'll that'll pop up on those those social media links, but um, but uh, yeah. Other than that, thanks very much. You know, uh, I, I hope uh, they found something of interest to listen to. Warwick, I want to wish you all the success with Falcon's Spear, and you know, Mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian for your time and giving me the opportunity to interview. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Good to meet you, Jason. Thank you. And then I also want to thank Hannah Superfan Promotions for help setting up this interview and giving me a review copy. Again, Hannah, thank you very much. If you are a new comic book fan or a lifelong comic book fan, please check out Falcon's Spear, an original horror graphic novel from Dark Horse. Um, I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. Our LCS is Cowabunga Comics out of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and their mail-order company, Deep Discount Comics. Um, and we went there, and, and we were actually invoice number 0001. 
we are the we were the very first <laughs> their very first customer, um, which was kind of cool. They've been nothing short of fantastic customer service wise. Discounts they were very close, if not the same or better than DCBS on a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. Over and above uh, customer service wise, always taking care of us, going the extra mile, so responsive, getting instantaneous uh, responses back to uh, questions about things and to the point where knowing the stuff you like and anticipating your needs and having it suggested to, that you might want to add this to your order already uh, before you even have to think about about it. That's kind of cool. Really quality experience. So we, we love working with Cowabunga and Deep Discount and that's why they're in our show notes every single episode and have been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes that mm-hmm. we leave them there because we like them. They're cool, good people. That's why they're in there. By God, they'd tell you to, if you've got a local comic book shop that you love, stay with them because every, everybody needs to support their local comic shops. But if you're looking, check them out. You can check them out in, in the show notes. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of them. Either get on their list just so you can check and see what kind of FOC and pre-order stuff they have and the discounts, and they'll send it to you um, each month, get you on that email list. And you can check out their shop because they have a great shop of exclusive Cowabunga mm-hmm. variants. Amazing stuff. Yes, they've always been there for us, and we take them for granted. So there you go. Now you, now you know. <laughs>